Welcome to South Africa. With 11 official languages, this nation is a melting pot of peoples, tribes, and traditions. With wildlife that includes elephants, lions, and rhinoceri. Coastlines that include great white sharks, penguins, and whales. Three capital cities. Two Nobel Prize winners. Incredibly diverse landscapes. And the highest bungee jump in the world. But I find even more significance in the work of those in this part of the world who are giving of their time, talent, and their skills to serve others. People like Louise Batty, an Aussie who's dedicated her life to this rural region in South Africa called Zanin. I find significance in organizations like Keep the Dream 196 that are helping to change lives as they bring hope in very challenging circumstances. Thanks for joining me today as we travel to the land of silver mist in the lush tropical mountains of Limpopo to discover Keep the Dream 196 and to meet a woman who serves there because love compels her. Louise Batty, up next on The Edge of Adventure. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher, and you know the drill. I get to introduce you. I have this wonderful privilege and pleasure to be able to introduce you to some of the world's most unsung heroes, people out there in the world doing remarkable things, working hard, giving of themselves, of their time and their resources for what reason? To help other people. It's a great honor to travel now to South Africa to introduce you to Louise Batty, the Managing Director of Keep the Dream 196. Louise, thanks for joining the program. Thank you for having me, Adam. It's a pleasure. Give us an idea where you are. So you're in South Africa. Most people know where that is. They could find that on the map. But you're in rural South Africa. Tell us where you are and what life is like there. Okay, well, if you head north from Joburg through Pretoria and go right up the N1 uh, for about three and a half to four hours, depending on how fast you drive or fly, then you turn east, you turn right, and you travel for about an hour and a half through the, the Drakensberg down the mountains to what they call the Lower Felt. The Lower Felt, where we are, uh, we work into Greater Zanin which is the sub-district, and then you have the district, which is Mapani, and then you have Limpopo, which is the province. So we work throughout the province, but particularly focused, keep the dreamers focused in Greater Zanin. So it's a, it's a rural area. You'll find thatched roofs and rondables, mud brick houses. You'll find homes made of um, pallet wood and plastic bags. You'll find mud brick and you'll find proper brick cement houses it's a combination of everything this area is very tropical it's very lush there's a large avocado macadamia banana citrus whole series of different fruit farming in this area 
So from that side of it, it's very, very lush, very green, very beautiful. Louise, you've been with Keep the Dream 196, according to my notes here. You've been with the organization for 14 years. Have you lived this entire time in the location where you are now? I came over in 2002, ostensibly through the Australian Volunteers International. I ended up being employed by the Department of Health and seconded to an NGO in Zanin, and that was a home-based care organisation. We did a what we call a SWOT analysis, which is looking at the strengths and the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats confronting home-based care volunteers. And their biggest heartache was the children. So they were watching the children drop out of school, get infected with HIV, get pregnant, get into gangs, get into crime, and basically just fall through the cracks. And these were particularly the orphan and vulnerable children from HIV back at that point. And I got tasked with do something. Now, that was in 2003. I spent six months researching what was possible, what was probable, what already was here, what could be here, what would transfer, um, talking to kids here. If we started something, what would you like it to look like? And they came up with, we want to learn new things, we want to experience new things, we want to make new friends, we want to visit new places, we want to learn we want to have a bigger worldview, basically, of life than just village. So that was in 2003, and Elizabeth Mabuza and I started the bones of the project. I needed someone that could translate, someone that could capture the vision, someone that would be able to implement because of language skills or lack of. We started with 13 girls. And by May 2004, we had 60 kids and it was working really well. I managed to get some funding and we trained 50 leaders. And by the end of 2004, oh, my Lord, we'd blown out to 2,000 kids. And we were just spinning our wheels trying to keep up. The NGO pulled back, didn't want a children's program that big, didn't want a children's movement, which it was threatening to turn into. And so we um, were working after hours, on the weekends, public holidays, any gap of time to be able to hold this thing together. But we weren't successful. So by August 2007, I'd quit the organisation and started Keep the Dream and Elizabeth followed in the January of the next year. So although unofficially... We started in 2003. Officially, we were registered and up and running with a sponsorship from Save the Children Sweden in 2007. And we just grew. This is The Edge of Adventure. And my guest today, very special person, Louise Batty, who is Managing Director at Keep the Dream 196. Now, you've listed yourself as Managing Director, but you've also told on yourself, you're also co-founder for this thing, right? Yeah. You know what? This thing is only as good as the people that are in it. And I have amazing co-workers and Elizabeth is phenomenal. And so are all the other people that I work with in the program. And really managing director sounds so pompous. I'm actually a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. I do whatever they can't. And what I mean by that is, well, they do whatever I can't. They've got the language skills. I don't. They can implement 
I struggle because of the language. So they do all the program work and I unfortunately get to do the books and the proposals and the HR and the finance and the, yeah. When it comes to real leadership, when a person is in leadership, a person who is a real leader, don't you find that more than anything else, it's a role of service? It sort of makes you the servant of all. What's your take on that? Heck yes. Heck yes. If you can't serve, you're not a leader. I've just employed two new staff. And one of the things that I explained to them was in South Africa, the the usual uh, structure for leadership is the pyramid. You know, you're sitting up the top. You're the big cheese. You get to do all the nice work and everybody else slaves underneath. And I really struggle with that. It's not in me to operate like that. Yes, the back stops with me. Yes, I've got to sign the pay slips. Yes, I've got to do all the formal stuff. But a lot of the time, the triangle is tipped on its side and the staff are leading me. And that's part of why I love what I'm doing because we have the kids that are on top telling us, explaining to us what they want and my job is to try and make that happen. But leadership is about servanthood. A lot of what we do is teach the kids leadership skills. And that has to start with the staff. And leadership is an opportunity to serve. I don't think a lot of people understand that. That is where you get down, you get dirty, and you do what needs to be done in order for other people to be able to do what they can do and to realise the potential that they've got and to see what what is possible. There's something about true leadership that is not, it's not a position of glory. We tend to think of it like that. We think of it as glory and that they are uh, in charge, like in charge and telling a bunch of people what to do. But if a, if a leader is really leading effectively, yeah. then they care not only about the objective of the organization, they care about the people that are working mm. in the organization. And it's, it's kind of a, an opportunity to be a shepherd and to be a servant. So I agree with that. And I see that reflected in what you and, and your uh, colleagues have done. Louise, what are the needs? What's this overwhelming sense of need that is prevalent there in that part of South Africa? You've made mention of a few things and oh. we understand what they are, but help us understand life for a child who is left vulnerable, perhaps orphaned, and if not orphaned, it's certainly vulnerable. What is their life like and where is it headed? For the rural child, it depends on whether they've got a good family structure, irrespective of parents, whether they've got parents, um, guardians that will support them. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, and we saw this a lot during the HIV pandemic, was where parents would die, brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles would move into the homes and kick, it, kick the children out and just kick them out onto the streets with nothing. It, it's a lot better in that the social structure is a lot better and um, having a, an orphan in your home now means that you can get an orphan grant. So 
whether the money actually goes to helping the child or not is a secondary question. I think a lot of this has to do with apartheid from the past in that parents would go away to the farms or go away to Joburg or the mines or to work as domestics. So grandparents were left to look after children and oftentimes those children drag themselves up. Well, now they're in position to be parents and they've got no clue how to parent their children. So there's a big rift there. Um, the understanding is I put food on the plate, clothes on the back, a roof over the head, that's it, that's all I have to do. So there's a whole care factor that is missing and that's a huge need and that's one of the needs that we try and address with our children. We work from the children up but we work from the parents down so that we meet in the middle in the family and create loving, caring environments that are supportive and encouraging and filled with potential and possibility. You're working with the children, but you're also working with the parents. It sounds like you, you a part mm-hmm. of what you're there for is to educate perhaps for the first time and really give parents an understanding of their responsibilities. Their role, their role as parents and to bring unity within the family. Uh, we, we, our worldview is, We're going to change the world one child at a time, but a child exists within a family. So we need to work with the family. The the family exists within a community. So we also work with the leaders. We work with the Indunas, who are the village chiefs, and we also work with the chiefs when they let us. Um, And the chiefs have a number of Indunas that they are responsible for. So we're trying to work in the schools as well to create that safety net for children and we are also working well we'll work with anybody who work with us to be honest so we work with other NGOs in the area and we train them on our program we monitor and support we help them implement our program trying to bring unity that way once again this is the edge of adventure and my guest today Louise Batty is the managing director also the co-founder of keep the dream 196. She's joining the program today from South Africa. Let me see if I can say the name of the town. Zanin Limpopo. Well done. And that is in Limpopo. Is that the, the region? That's the pr- province. State. The province. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in other words, that is rural South Africa. And, of course, we are uh, recording this in and around some power outages and perhaps less than uh, great internet. So we've uh, adjusted slightly here to be able to have this conversation. And it's so I'm so glad that we are because we're getting to know Louise and getting to know Keep the Dream 196. Now I want to explore the significance of the name, Keep the Dream 196. There's mm-hmm. got to be a reason why you chose that name. Yeah, there is. And I didn't realize how significant it was until we started really operating in it and seeing the impact. We realize now in retrospect that the Keep the Dream was helping children to realize their dreams and to hold on to them and to keep it. But I didn't realize in the process it was always, it was also me keeping my dream. Ever since I was a little girl in Australia, I just, I just wanted to make a difference. I just wanted to be a part of something that was going to help. And this is 
how I'm keeping my dream. Now, the 196 is actually Exodus 19, verse 6, for you will be a new generation. And that's what I see with these kids. There's so many social ills in this country, from crime, corruption, to it's just really blatant and obvious and difficult. And my dream for these kids is that they will be a new new generation that will stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I've got integrity. I've got honesty. I've got values. I've got morals. And I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. So that's my dream for them. I think it was a God thing. It was actually a shelf company because I put in for five or six different names and they all got rejected. And so we bought a shelf company just to get up and going. And this was the name we got. And it was spot on. You you asked me earlier about the life of a child uh, living in this country who's orphan and vulnerable. These kids may or may not have shoes to go to school. If it weren't for school lunches, wouldn't be having lunch, would be living on maybe one meal a day, maybe one every two days. Their school uniforms are hand-me-downs, often so thin that you can see through them so badly stained. Yeah, it really breaks your heart. Still, in all of that, we bring hope. And as Keep the Dream, we teach the kids how to create food gardens using permaculture practice. So it's cow manure. It's not manure that you buy at the shops. It's um, natural, fertil- natural fertilizers, it's natural pesticides, it's, it's grey water, water that's been recycled so you don't have to buy water. So we keep it all really cheap so that the kids can eat, firstly, but also feed their families, also maybe make a big enough garden that they can sell and earn a bit of money. So we also teach them entrepreneurship because jobs in this country, 60% of the people in this province are unemployed. Now with COVID, we're looking probably at 75%. And at the moment, we're on level four lockdown, which level five is where everything shuts, except supermarkets and hospitals, basically. So level four is where restaurants and all that have shut. Everybody's supposed to work from home. And it just means... Businesses are dying, people are going hungry, especially the vulnerable people who were already, I think it's something like 60, 66% of the children in this country are below the poverty line, so below that they only eat one meal a day. So, you know, how can you get lower than that? Well, you can. Try level four. Louise, you mentioned the word hope and that it is important to help to bring hope to these dire situations. And then you also mentioned COVID and you, we've all lived through this in different nations right now at this point in our history, different nations are at different points. And there are some that are beginning to sort of break free and come out on the other side. And there are some who are still in very, very dire straits. And regardless of of where things are at this moment for the for the person that might be watching. We all know that COVID and this the situation that it has created around the world, it's really brought hope under attack. Hope itself has suffered and been harder to find. What do you do at a time like this when things are bad, 
when poverty, I mean, the unemployment rate is somewhere in the neighborhood, I think you said 75%, according to my notes here, mm-hmm. is so high. And there's so, so many limitations. And uh, well, where does hope come from at a time like this? People here have faith, which is huge. And it's one thing that we also foster, having faith. And that, that is a big portion of it. Also, through the program, we encourage kids to smile and whistle through difficulties. That's part of, part of the laws of scouts, which is, what we, which is the program that we run. So it's not just a superficial thing. It's a matter of encouraging each other and supporting each other. And I, I really do think that South Africa is a place that has been under siege in so many ways for so long. This is just another one. This is just another instance. And to be honest, COVID, last year it was very bad here. And COVID wasn't the biggest problem. Hunger was because of the job losses, because of the lack of money. And that hasn't really changed, but people's attitudes have changed. And they've been more prepared for what's come this this season of Level 4. If we go to Level 5, that's something else. But I think because people here live with such a level of stress anyway in terms of survival instincts, that they are coping far better, I think, than a lot of first world places are. However, having said that, I had to take my daughter for a medical, a small medical thing today, and the nurse was telling me that she'd had three kids in this last week, three children in to the clinic with bleeding ulcers from stress, from COVID, from not being able to do the schoolwork, from not having the contact that they need for not, and these aren't my kids, these are other kids, but I think we're not paying enough attention to what is happening with the kids. And what we're doing is that we've been able I'm a nurse as a background, so I knew that we're going to go through waves like this and that another lockdown, unless God intervenes and removes COVID completely, yes, God, we're going to be in for this for another two or three years. So we're going to see seasons and we were we prepared. We prepared a whole lot of activities that the kids can continue with while we can't meet with them face to face. We organized a whole lot of WhatsApp groups so that we can contact the kids. Now, not every child's got a cell phone, but we made sure at least one person in each group had the contact. So kids can meet one-on-one without too much of a problem. So we've done a lot of preparation work with, with our children and I think that has really helped too. Louise Batty is the managing director of Keep the Dream. One night, Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. That's right. Servant of all, and that is actually the highest compliment that could be paid a person. And I know that you you find yourself serving in a very difficult time as we've been talking about it there's nothing nothing about this that is easy and i think that when you have a a leader like yourself who is motivated by love and care then at a time like this the burden on somebody like you is even higher because 
you have more to worry about in, in ways. And I know that stress could be a factor for you. I know, uh, judging from your comment about faith, my guess is you you uh, give that to the Lord. And yet I know you're human. So I know that this can't be easy, Louise, I'm sure. As we shift and talk a little bit about some of the different programs, I, I took notes here. I did a little bit of research on on your organization, Keep the Dream Stalking. 190. Stalking. Cyber stalking is all it is. It's okay. Uh, everybody's doing it. Everybody's but, bored and doing it. I, I can't wait right. to get off computers. And now we're supposed places. to, right? We're not supposed to go places. We're supposed to just use the computer and, and sit at your desk and, and travel the world remotely, which is something that we've been able to do in the last year plus of this. And while COVID itself has been very, very negative, I think in some ways the the stress from it has brought us together in some ways. There's been a lot of negative, but I think there's been some very, very positive things that have come out of this crisis and this international community where we're helping each other. I think that's that's mm-hmm. a positive thing. But it, getting back to, to some of the things that you guys focus on routinely, the challenges, crises in the community, teen pregnancy, HIV, lack of education or educational opportunities, substance abuse. These are the things that the community faces, and these are areas in particular that you all address. It certainly is. I mean, these were the things that were identified way back in 2003 by the adults that we were working with back then, but also by the kids themselves, um, that they were worried about it. And it's quite profound for me when I ask a child, okay, you joined four years ago. Did any of your friends? Yeah. Are they still with you? No, they've left. Why? What, what, what's the difference? What made you stay and what made them leave? No, well, you came with discipline and you came with rules and they're not hard rules. They're respect and honour and integrity and loyalty and things like that. But they weren't interested. So what are they doing now? Well, you see that one over there? That was my friend. She's 15. She's pregnant with her second child. Oh, okay. Uh, I asked the same question to another young man. And he said, no, my friends left because they wanted girlfriends. Now, part of what we do is say, you can have friends who are girls and you can have friends who are boys, but you can't have boyfriends and girlfriends because in this country, that means you're having sex. So you've got nine-year-olds having sex at school, 12-year-olds. It's just crazy. So we say, no boyfriends, no girlfriends until you're over 18. But in the meantime, you can have friends who are boys and friends who are girls, and you can learn to socialize together without sex. You can learn to socialize and see each other as people and learn to communicate between the the sexes and learn to honor each other and things like that. So I asked this boy, what about your friends? Did they join? Yes. Where are they? And he took me on a quick walk out of his house and across the road. And he said, you see those four boys under that tree? Yeah, they're drunk. Yeah, they should be in school, shouldn't they? Yeah, they joined our program and they quit after a year and they're 14. So the alternative is horrific. There's not much option. 
either the, because we don't even really have organized sports for kids in in the rural areas uh, there might occasionally be a soccer tournament but there's certainly nothing for girls so the alternatives for them are very very minimal and we keep kids busy which they say is the answer to teen pregnancy not me <laughs> they say we get pregnant because it's cheap it's free we're bored so we keep them busy. <laughs> and a lot of them have had amazing opportunities. I mean, some of the kids in the villages where we work, they have never been to Zanin. Now, Zanin is 30 minutes away from their village, but they don't have enough transport money. So we're talking about um, 25 Rand, which in American terms is probably about 10 cents. They don't have 10 cents to come to town. And the look of shock and awe on these kids' faces when they see a traffic light for the first time. What's, what's that? They may or may not have seen a tarred road, a street sign. I mean, it boggles your mind. I mean, this is their worldview, a village, dusty, dirty, no television, may or may not have electricity. They just don't know about life outside of their village that's 30, 30 minutes away and 10 cents away. They just don't know. So part of what we do is that we, we take them to villages next door. We get them to hike. And sometimes if it's too far, we pick them up and take them. We bring them to camp. And as part of the activities, they can we get them to to Zanin and then they can hike to the camp, which is about 17 kilometres. We take their bags just to be nice to them and we give them water along the way and things like that. But we expose them to new ideas, new, new experiences. Um, these kids may live in the rural areas, but they've never been camping. They've never been outside. There's always the fear of two-legged animals or four-legged animals. So we take them camping and they get to experience nature for the first time as something enjoyable, not something to be fearful of. And that's, that's huge. That's an easy way to bring, to, to encourage and lift up. This is The Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher, and we will rejoin that conversation in just a minute. It's a great one. Louise Batty, great lady doing wonderful things there in South Africa. And we'll learn more about her and more about Keep the Dream 196 in just a minute. By the way, you can look them up at keepthedream196.com. But I did want to take a minute. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening to the podcast and for sharing it out. I mean, you, you must know that I notice and I appreciate it when you share it out because more and more people are joining the program, people from around the world. And this means the world to me. So thank you for that. You can always look us up online at theedgeofadventure.com for more information. You can always find, too, there's a corresponding post for each of these podcasts. So if you're listening to the audio version, you can get the video version there on the website, theedgeofadventure.com. This would be my one request of you today. If you have not already signed up for the Edge email list, please do so. Go to the website, theedgeofadventure.com. We'd love to have you sign up. It just allows us to keep in touch. We've got some pretty cool things about to happen. This is a big year. And honestly, in the next few days, we've got some cool developments. So I want to be sure I can stay in touch with everybody. 
So do me a huge favor, sign up for the Edge email list at theedgeofadventure.com. Well, now I think it's time to go back to South Africa and let's continue getting to know Louise Batty of Keep the Dream 196, right here on The Edge of Adventure. This is The Edge of Adventure and my guest today, very special person, Louise Batty, who is Managing Director at Keep the Dream 196. Louise, I wanted to ask you, though, to reflect on the following. When you when you have seen those horrible situations and you have seen those kids get involved with your program and then you get to see them grow up and in many mm. cases have productive, responsible, meaningful mm. lives. What does that feel like? And what are some of the, your favorite success stories through the years? Wow. <laughs> what does that feel like? An explosion of joy and happiness inside. It just feels, feels incredible. I was watching an interview that you did with the lady who travelled in the blue bus all the way down through Africa to Zimbabwe. Dot Becker, yes. Dot Becker, that, that was it. And I thought of her and I thought, you know what, to have a life where you are able to help just one person significantly is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we've had 15,000 kids roughly come through our program. That sounds like a huge number. Not everyone has stayed. Not everyone has embraced what we've offered. But we have had some amazing transformations of kids and they have to take the credit for it because it was their choices. It was their choices to come out of where they were, their choices to embrace what it was that we were showing them and offering to them, and their choices to make the difference. And I've got quite a few heroes. <laughs> I've got a lot of heroes. And these kids are just up there. I've got one young fella. Um, his name's Harry. He would... He, he didn't have a dad. Uh, he lived with his granny, his mum and his aunt, and he would bust out of home at night and go down the local Shabin, which is the local pub, and he'd drink the dregs out of the beer bottles and pick up the stompies and smoke them. And, yeah, he was on the wrong track, going the wrong way. He was 12. And his aunt got involved with what we were doing. We trained her in the 2004 group. And she basically just pulled him along by his ear and said, you're coming with me and you're going to be involved in this. And he did. It was amazing. And he changed and he became extremely responsible. Now, in 2000, I may have the years wrong, so I stand corrected. But in 2005, in December, his aunt died and she was the breadwinner for the family. In January 2006, his mum died. So in less than a month, he lost his aunt and his mum. And his granny lost two daughters. And he was left with his granny who had become demented, dementia, because of grief. And he had two siblings, two, uh, two younger brothers and sisters. And he had this scout group. He had this group. And I came alongside of him and I said, Harry, we're going to shut the group down. You can't, you can't take this on as well. 
you've got too much. And he, I remember him saying to me, Lou, if you take that from me, I'll die. I'll have nothing to live for. So we, we, got, we got together. We got support around him. We applied for orphan grants for him. He, we helped. Well, he did it. He found a helper to come. He employed them to come and clean the house and cook and look after the granny. He'd take his siblings to school. The helper would go and collect the youngest one when school was out and he'd bring the other one back. And he stayed with that scout group and he persevered and he pushed through. He's now married with a child of his own and he's a, he's a boiler maker with all the tickets that's associated with that. Now, that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And I, I don't know, God has to take credit for that plus Harry. One of my other kids who was 13 and, and what we call a skabanger, a tzotzi, uh, uh, a thief, a bugger, um, a rat bag, whatever, and he would jump out of home at 13 uh, he would go and gamble with older people. He would mug people. He would steal from home. He was having sex. He was just on the worst road. And he came to Scouts and he didn't think too much of it. But then we took him to camp and we gave him responsibility. And all of a sudden he changed. And he became such a strong almost poster child for what we were trying to do. So much so that in 2000 and uh, when he turned 17, so I can't really remember the age. So it was five years on. Uh, so we took about 2009, around there. He was doing a lot of work in his village in Lepapan on HIV prevention because prevention HIV was still very much associated with witchcraft and that it was witchcraft that was spreading HIV, not unprotected sex. So he took it upon himself as a 16, 17-year-old to do a whole lot of training sessions with the youth and even with adults on HIV, so much so that he was put forward for the Oxfam Community Builder of the Year, which he won for South Africa. Doesn't stop there. He was taken to India and presented with World Youth Community Builder of the Year. And he wrote me a letter saying all he had to do when he turned 18 was learning to smoke and dying of AIDS. And that's the power of caring and of reaching out and just being present, being there. The program's really valuable, don't get me wrong, and the kids love it. But I think it's the personal contact of actually having someone that they know is there and they know is in their corner and that person just reaching out and touching them. Now, Ronnie is now also happily married and has a child. He has a, he's running a non-profit as well, and he's working in the IT sector in Johannesburg. That's what you want for your kids. You want to see them successful. As long as they're happy, they're successful, and they're not just successful, but they're bringing children into this world that, are going to be loved, that are loved, that are cared for and supported in ways in which a lot of these kids just weren't because they've, they've 
had love and caring modelled for them. And that's what they want for their kids. We've got it. I've got another guy, Shulani. Sorry, I'm going to put this one out there. He, he dropped out of school. He was 14, 15, dropped out of school for two years. He was a right little thug and he was well known. And he came across scouts, didn't think too much of it, went to camp, realised he loved it, and he changed. He dropped back into school. He went back into school two years behind where his mates were. He's now a fully qualified social worker. We're talking today with Louise Batty of Keep the Dream 196. Notice this time I didn't say she's managing director because when I do that, she corrects me and she says, I'm, I'm just a servant. I'm, I'm just somebody who does what needs to be done. And if that's not, if it's not appropriate to call a person like that, the managing director, we might just have to start calling you a hero, right? Because that's really oh, no. of a oh, hero. my kids, my kids, they're the heroes, my staff, the staff, the people that I work with, they're the heroes. Yeah. Right. And for everybody else listening and watching, I rest my case. But Louise, listen, as we get toward the end of the program here and we think about a couple of final concepts, I'm struck by the fact that there is so much love as I hear you talk about the kids and the families and the people and your staff and the the people you work with and have the privilege of working with. Okay, there's so much love for them and appreciation for them. Where does this love come from? You could be doing all sorts of things with your life, and yet you're there pouring out this love to the best of your ability to to the people around you. Why? Simple. God loves me. I want to be like his son. Jesus came to love people. That's what I'm doing, and it's the only way I know how. It's a beautiful answer, Louise. How can we, those listening and watching in the world, all around the world, as we get to know you and have gotten to know you today, and perhaps for the first time we've discovered Keep the Dream 196, what are some of the ways, and of course, I like to mention this because I don't want to put you in the the awkward position. I know finances is always uh, usually- Boring, isn't it? It's, it's, but it's usually an issue. So I'm, I'm sure that the finances are there. And I, I will do the asking and say, if you feel led to get behind and, and help them financially, please do so. Reach out to them and do that. Please do it. Don't deprive yourself of the privilege and the joy of, of coming alongside them in a financial manner at Keep the Dream 196. But Louise, are there other ways that a person could be supportive? You know what? If it weren't for COVID, I would say, come on over. Come and see. Come and have your hearts touched by these amazing children. Come and see what it's like in this in this country. COVID has kiboshed a lot of that. If you're local, you're still more than welcome to come. I think prayer always goes a long way. Prayer would be fantastic. You're welcome to get in touch with me. If, if people want to, to give financially, if you go through global giving, and I'm only putting it out there because that means you get weekly updates about what we're up to Um, because I'm not very good at sending out reports in terms of email lists. But if you would like an email and updates and things like that uh, so that you know what our needs are, we actually did a backer buddy um, program in January one of my kids had finished her law degree but couldn't get her articles. 
we did it back a buddy and she's just finished law school and employed by Department of Justice. Um, so individual child sponsorships a possibility. We're doing entrepreneurship with um, savings groups, two rand a week, which works out to be something really pathetic, like one cent a week, but it's huge. It, it makes such a big difference. Um, purchasing things in kind like seeds with for food gardens, um, sending clothes and those sorts of donations. To be honest, unless you're a local in South Africa, if it comes through the ports, we get charged for it. We get, even if you've got donations, secondhand clothes, we still get charged for it. We may or may not ever get it. So sending stuff really isn't helpful. If you've got particular things that you want bought in this country, like I've had sponsors that have wanted to buy education material, books, things like that for the kids, that's great. But I think really talk about us. Share our Facebook site. Link into us with um, our website. Share Adam Ash's podcast with your friends. Get us out there. I mean, there's so many competing Voices. There's so many wonderful organisations doing such wonderful work. There really is. Get involved. Take the chance. Let your heart be touched. I promise you, it is worth it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a crybaby. I'm a hard-assed Aussie. You ask all my friends. I'm not a marshmallow. But these kids, <laughs> these kids, yeah, they break my heart. I love it. It is an honor to get to know you, Louise. Again, my guest today, Louise Batty of Keep the Dream 196. And as we've gotten to know you in that part of Africa and the communities, the challenges, and also the hope that still exists, and it exists for a variety of different reasons. Among those reasons is your hard work and your presence in that community as you share the hope that that you found and that you have and to be able to transfer that to to these kids and these families so i want to thank you for what you do thanks for your time today and to get in touch with you louise i'm of course we'll be putting on the screen this entire time we've been placing the web address and for those listening you just check them out at keep the dream 196.com again one more time keep the dream 196 Dot com to learn more about them. They have a beautiful website, great pictures that'll help uh, tell the story. If you haven't been able to see any of the pictures we've shared today, that's a great place to start. And just thankful for you and thankful for people like you. And again, also thankful for the people that gravitate toward this type of platform and programming at the edge of adventure. I mean, the people that, that follow this show and share this show and, and, they're people that are like you. They they care about other people. They live these lives of adventure and purpose, and they come alongside people who do. And it is a privilege to continue to see that network grow. So absolutely my honor to get to know you, Louise, today. And listen, take care. And I know many people from the program will begin to pray for you guys and I also ask people as they can to consider supporting you and any of the organizations that you connect with that touch your heart. You said, you know, there's so many organizations and so there's so many places that we can put our money. Yeah. Here, here's the good news. 
there's <laughs> so many people with money they could give. They just need to do it. That would be my challenge. Come alongside somebody who's doing something good. If you can't be there personally, help them. And start with, an, you know, start with just reaching out and saying, hey, I saw you on that show and I like what you do and appreciate you. So anyway, God bless you, Louise. Please give my best to Elizabeth. I did not get to meet her or talk to her today, but I know she's a big part of what you guys do there. So thanks to you and the staff. You have our appreciation and our honor. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to my rants and raves. Thank you for this platform. I mean, I, I didn't know about you. I'm sorry. I don't normally get on social media. I'm too busy elsewhere. But I, like I said, I, I, took, I started to check out who this Adam Asher was, and I really enjoyed the program. So I'm going to try and do a little bit better on that department and watch you more consistently. <laughs> Well, it is super to have you on the show and great to, get to now know you and count you among my friends. And, you know, life uh, is over in an instant and it's full of joy and it's full of pain. And in this thing we call life, we just kind of have to get to a point where we can embrace both of those things and determine to do whatever we can to help somebody else whatever that may be. And it's not the same for all of us. And it's not the same at different parts of our times in our lives, but being obedient to that call to do something is so important. Yeah. So thank you, Louise. We will be in touch and I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. What's that saying? Start local, think global. Start That's local. A good one. You can just start with your neighbor. The kindness pandemic that's spreading around the world. There's been some good stuff come out of COVID, like you said. Start local. I agree with you. Well, God bless you, Louise. We will be in God touch. God bless you too. We'll talk again soon. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. God bless you all. God bless you. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. Beyond status quo.